Warning, Star Trek from the holodeck contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Walk it alone! Fire! Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Open sesame! Commander Klingon vessel. We are energizing transport of him. Now. Star Trek from the holodeck, the strange new worlds edition. I am Michael, your host and captain. And on the bridge with me is Ensign David. Hello. Hey, Mike, are we going to have a musical episode Mm, now with us? Don't even, (laughs) don't even try to sell me on that idea because we will never have a musical podcast ever. I am Mbanga. I don't sing. (laughs) He's so gangster, dude. (laughs) I know. It's the best thing ever. This this episode, dude, how dare they? How how dare the writers of Star Trek Strange New Worlds? I went into this. Honestly. Oh, you're just going, aren't you? Yeah, because this episode... Arguably, dude, I think this is my favorite episode. <laughs> oh, my God. You are the internet. Because, dude, it was so fun. I was like going, how uh, dare they give us a fun episode? Just to be fair, David, read the message I sent to you. Yes. Read, read I, that message, David, let me bring so it up. that people I want to bring it up. know that I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> you said, I hate that I really love the musical episode. <laughs> And I was, I, I was so, I held back from calling you right away. I said, welcome to my boat. I wanted to hate this episode. I, I honestly thought this was going to be the jump, the shark moment for strange new worlds. This could break us. Yeah. I'm not a fan of gimmicks. That's, that's the reason why I was very cautious Same going here. into this episode. Yeah. When you're only two seasons into a show that, is made up of 10 episodes a season uh-huh. and you've done numerous gimmick episodes already that concerns me however this wasn't just a gimmick this was an episode that was very relevant to our characters yes and that's why ultimately i felt like it was a, a really good episode because of what it did for our characters and moving their personal stories along this is this is not what I had expected. No. I know there are probably listeners that probably assumed that I would hate this episode, and you would have assumed correctly. I was not looking forward to it, thinking it would be simply a gimmick, an episode designed simply as a viral meme for social media, which is what more and more TV shows are doing. Yes. It's a mistake, and a lot of contemporary shows are making that mistake. However, David, this episode was not that. It was not just a gimmick. It was an episode with tons of heart, intimate moments, and a a surprising amount of character development. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And also on top of that, it was like when you 
are just coming off of, for me, I thought they already gave us the gimmick episode with Lord Dex. Right. That was their gimmick episode. And then they followed it up with last uh, the last episode, which was really dark and really well done by, by Davey Perez, where it was a solid Star Trek philosophical story. You follow it up with a musical episode, <laughs> but you still, you're still able to actually carry a lot of from what happened in the last episode to this episode and give more advancement. I mean, even like, do you realize one of the, one of the, at all, one of the highlights that I thought about, like how they treated the characters mm-hmm. carrying on the fact that Mbanga barely sang in this episode. And the whole point of the singing element in the, in the episode was based on them revealing deep secrets about themselves. Yeah. What if he revealed that he, uh, exactly out raw. If he was, if, if at <laughs> any moment he could have be- actually started giving off secrets about his, his PTSD, his raw, his role as the butcher of, uh, uh, I think it's pronounced Jagal. Jagal. Yeah. Or even the secret about raw. He never actually do you sang. Think, do you think that's why they pulled back a bit on when it comes to him? When it comes, because I it think would so. it would have been a little weird when they are talking about very personal things that yes. are being forced out of them through music. Yeah, that Mbenga wouldn't share something like that, perhaps. And Mbenga honestly has turned into the character that has the most secrets. He has the most secrets out of everybody. Mm. And like, if you look at it, he's the one that basically keeps everything close to himself. Now he kept the secret about his daughter. He kept the secret about the PTSD. He kept the secret about Jagal, about raw. He protocol even kept, 12. Yeah. Protocol 12. He, has he could have sang a song about protocol 12. Oh yeah. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> I but, inject myself. In protocol 12. <laughs> I'm not a singer. Please. I'm going to, in fact, I'm deleting that. No, no, no. You got to keep that uh, in. Nope, that's you gone. Keep that in now. <laughs> but like, that's why I thought was so genius about bringing this in and you still carry on those elements when Mbanga looks at everybody and says, I don't sing. And it's like, he's reinforcing the fact he has so many freaking secrets. He doesn't want to sing. Yeah. Okay, David. So the synapsis for this episode, an accident with an experimental quantum probability field causes everyone on the enterprise to break uncontrollably into song. But the real danger is that the field is expanding and beginning to impact other ships, yes. aliens, and enemies alike. And also, of course, there's a security risk because they're divulging information that is dangerous, right? But it yes. was probably for Lan, it was probably less than, you know, she made a point to say, oh, you know, it's a security risk. Like, yeah, you're just afraid. You're, you're just about afraid. to expose yeah. all of your emotions to Kirk. That, yeah, that in itself. But also, I like the fact that she used it as kind of like a cover for, well, I can't say anything because some temporal agent told me everything has to be secret. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good episode overall. I did yeah, I was. did enjoy it quite a bit. All right, that's the end. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's so much goodness in this episode, dude. Come on. The episode was directed by Dermot Downs and written by Dana Horgan and Bill Walkoff. David, we're going to keep this episode discussion fairly simple because despite the the amount of heart to this episode it did in fact have, it it is a relatively easy episode. So it we're is, probably going to be here for maybe 30 minutes and then we're going to close out the show. So I figured let's change up the format of our show. We're not going to get into 
heavy analysis. And let's just start with our favorite moments. For example, your top two favorite songs. Let's go through them one by one. Okay. If we have time, we'll go through uh, maybe our top three. But for now, let's go with our top two songs and why that song worked for you. So you start us off, Dave. What is your number two? My number two. Number two. Okay, number two is the finale. Number two is the finale for me. Um, solely because I think it encapsulated the episode perfectly so that throughout the entire episode, it was Uhura figuring out the pattern of the song. And having Uhura, quote-unquote, be the composer of the song that deals with communication and tying it all to why everyone in the enterprise is tied together. What even through the darkest times, they all are tied, tied together as a quote, unquote family. We'll call it, we'll, we'll say it like that. I thought was brilliantly done. It had some really great moments and it, it showed that to me, it surprise. I love classical musicals. This was different than basically like the musicals we see today where they take a pop song and do a cover, right? This is an original song. David, that's where they scored additional that's points. That's where they scored original me. points was, was, was the fact that it's all original music. Yeah. That is a very classic musical trend. And I appreciate that that's how the, the episode was written. I didn't see them all of a sudden break out into like... High school the musical. Let's bring our collective together as we fight for our lives. Oh, Hura, I really needed to hear that. But that's the whole point about like that that song is like Uhura tying everyone together and showing them that through all the bad times, they're still tied together as the crews of the Enterprise. Done in a classical musical way, very reminiscent of from for me, kind of like the 1950 musicals that I love as a as a kid. You know, like Singing in the Rain and uh, see, I'm not a musical guy. I love and those I know classic. that's blasphemy because I'm a film nerd. And I every time I tell my film fr- my film friends I'm not a musical guy, they're like, <gasps> eh. I, to me, it's- I do not like musical. Now I like theater. I yeah. like actual musicals. But musicals as feature films, that's ah, just, dude, I just can't get, I, I, think I it, hate them. Actually. I think, it, I think it gets, it got bad because musicals nowadays, as I said, there's barely any original music used in musicals. They use cover songs or like parodies of songs to actually do their musical. And that's yeah. where I kind of fell out of favor with musicals. I loved it when musicals did original tracks, they broke out into songs using their own dialogue that tied to their dialogue because that's how musicals were. That's how you do them. And for me, the, the, the highlight of this song, the funniest moment, because it was a, it's a classic trope in all classic musicals. You have the shocking moment of the musical where the characters will do the break the fourth wall and kind of look at the screen and go, what the heck was that was the Klingons. When the Klingons broke into boy band song, I was like, okay, all right. You guys just beat me. I'm defeated. I'm not going to be a grumpy puss about this, this episode. I love this episode. It was fun, but that's my second favorite. Why you only calling us when you got, 
looks to the camera. I'm like, going, yeah, yeah, that just happened. That's great. You know, so you like the whole Uhura bit yes. for the musical aspects. You know why I liked it? Because of Star Trek canon and continuity. Uhura, I don't, I think a lot of us forget this because I know I do. When, but it, but it jogged my memory when Pike said, essentially told Uhura that she's the heart, you know, communicate, you inspire everyone. You talk to these people every day, you know, put a face to that uh, voice or whatever he said. I don't remember the exact verbiage, but if you remember in the original series, she actually sang numerous times to the crew. In fact, I believe yes. in the episode, the conscious the one about the guy who murdered everyone when Kirk was a child, yes. the conscious of the King or the conscience of the King, I believe it was called mm -hmm. where Uhura had to sing to one of the crew members who was left alone to keep him company. So she sang to him through the, the comms. She did a seductive dance song in <laughs> Star Trek five. Star Trek so five. this is actually a part of Uhura's character. It's, yes. it's who she is. She's always sang numerous times throughout Star Trek. So I like that. Pike, uh, I should say the writers use that aspect that she is the, the voice of the ship, the voice of the ship. Yeah. yeah. And it makes sense. And that she inspires people. I, I thought that was interesting because that's exactly what you saw in the original series where mm -hmm. people wanted her to sing. Yeah. And her actually coming up with the solution in the end, I thought was actually really great for her character, particularly for this season, because Uhura has been kind of light this season, she's been kind of like a, she's been dealing with the trauma from the death of Hammer from one of the past episodes. But here, I feel that this is a true Uhura episode because it shows the strength of the character. They're slowly getting, they're slowly aligning her with who she becomes. With who she, what she yeah. becomes, yeah. All right. My, I guess, number two favorite song. And of course, David, when you hear it, you'll know. Why? <laughs> is it what I think it is? God damn it. This news really changes everything. It's sad. It's sad. <laughs> I fucking love this song. I can't believe how wrong I've been. Ethan Peck is a great voice. Oh, yeah. I think he might have he the, a, the best voice of the group. He does. He does have the best voice of the group, I think. Because, like... Myself, we the, same the part I thought was funny and brilliant at the same time was when I solved for why. <laughs> when he said, <laughs> I, I solved for why. why. <laughs> I won't make that mistake again. She's happy and carefree, the opposite of me. You know what's funny? That was my first pick. That's my first pick is the X song. Because, like, dude, it is the one thing that I loved about, like, what you were mentioning about how the, the, the song that I chose for the first, for my second favorite, pushed the narrative and character development of Uhura. This, to me, pushed the narrative and the character development of Spock. Well, it's pushing things into place. It's and pushing things into place because like he, the whole song, he basically comes to the realization that his emotions got the better of him. 
This is why he takes the Colin. I'm so dysfunctional, weak, and emotional. Weak and emotional. I mean, that's powerful. Yeah. And to have Spock utter such words, it says a lot about his emotional state. And also corroborates a lot of the characterizations that we've seen with Spock throughout the years, even with J.J. Abrams' Kelvin timeline and this sadness of being a, where we saw him suffer prejudice at the hands of other Vulcan children. Yeah. You know, feeling like he doesn't quite belong. Um, this idea that he does eventually belong once he finds his family on the Enterprise. That's what J.J. Abrams was working from. But also in the original Prime timeline, it just brings all of these aspects, his relationship with his father, his failed engagement. Engagements, yeah. You see that he is an emotional mess because of his Vulcan side and his human side conflicting with each yeah. other. And this song says so much about Spock in a way that we will never get again. Oh yeah. And, and if we did, it wouldn't feel right because exactly. Spock can't say these types of things. Mm -hmm. That's why a musical episode, Dave, that's why when, when I said at the very top of the show that this episode, I enjoyed it was because they found a gimmick that allowed characters to say and do things that they would never say or do. And in doing so, we learned so much about them. Yes. And like the, the whole point about Spock's development up to this point, now we know. I, after this episode, think about it, Mike. We've been wondering since we started watching season, this particular season, when are they going to explain like why Spock is rather cold towards chapel in the original series here we go bang it just explains it right here and it comes to that conclusion that oh because she actually went away for three months and then she and spock finds out that that's what she was willing to actually give him up we had the we had an episode where spock is pining for chapel because she's going to be going for three months and we have confirmation about kirk and his relationship with uh I forgot her name, but it's basically his, I guess you could say his on again, off again, not wife, probably like girlfriend, fiance. We don't know Carol. what Carol. And we finally actually have confirmation that, yeah, he he's with Carol in this universe. They have a son or she's pregnant yeah. at this point. So David's going to be born soon. Well, that's what I was saying, Dave, like in an episode like this, we were able to, get through we were able to get to that moment when if it was any other episode laan hasn't been a character that's very willing to share any type any of secret any feelings or emotion she's, she's that, reserved yeah. right she, uh -huh. or uh, i wouldn't call her repressed but she's reserved she's cautious because she's been hurt she's she's broken she has problems and those yes. types of people don't find it easy at times to share with others You know, the fact that she's always afraid that she's going to be judged. She's very insecure about mm -hmm. her last name. So having an episode like this allowed time and room for her to share those types of feelings oh, yeah. with someone that she feels close to, which is Kirk. Which is Kirk. And in doing so, we find out a lot about this Kirk, you know, about prime Kirk. And as you said, David, bringing in Carol, that's a Carol Marcus. That's a big thing that that's a big 
component to who Kirk is and will become as a character. And the fact that she's pregs, I mean, this, that's something I didn't think any of us would ever see. Is, is this time frame in Kirk's life? Uh, I think, you know, moving into when you watch Star Trek 2, you just, you're of the assumption like, okay, this happened during a time that we never saw. Fine. Here we are now. And now it's over and we're never really going to be able to explore that. But in this new era of of TV shows being brought back and rebooted and actors being recast, we can get those stories. And uh, I um, I don't know where I'm going with that, David. Well, I mean, in particular with actually getting the, the confirmation of the history of Star Trek up to this point in the Prime Universe, because make no mistake, Strange New Worlds is in the Prime Universe. It is going, it, the one thing that we have always harped about about Strange New Worlds is the fact that we are going to see the, founda- the, the, the foundation of TOS, the original series. We're going to see those questions that we've always wanted to know as fans. Well, what, what about this? We, me and you have always discussed about Strange New Worlds being able to fill in the gaps of information, of mythos, of the Star Trek universe. This is one of those moments I thought was so awesome because the fact that Kirk basically tells Anne that the, his relationship with Carol is complicated. It harkens back to, to Star Trek two, where Kirk basically was, was a little angered that Carol just up and left with David and never told, told uh, Kirk, but it goes back to this. Their relationship was complicated. Yeah. And I hope Paul Wesley gets a chance to, delve into the Kirk character more, maybe in another season or two. At this point, David, he's pretty much a part of the cast. Now it makes sense now why makes he sense. was on a lot of the promos. Cause I thought it was odd that they put Paul Wesley on a lot of the promos for this season. And now it makes sense because how many episodes has he been in this season? Three. Yeah. He's had a lot more development than other key, way more than Ortega's. And the amazing thing about what they did with Kirk here. They tied Kirk's whole rise to captainship to this moment where basically he he's here because essentially he's supposed to shadow uh, Una to learn about, I think it's like the test that's coming up. There, because there's he's certain be, things he needs to, he, he needs to, he needs to achieve. Yeah. Kind of like the Boy Scouts. I, I got the idea <laughs> that it was, um, I think the, I think the words were that he, that they needed, he needed to fine tune certain things. They, they were, he needed to smooth some of those rough edges essentially. And that's why I loved about this episode because in the musical episode, we get more development with James Kirk. We got to see a scene with him and his brother, which was frosty, but we both, uh, I thought it was played out perfectly to show that, yeah, they're brothers. They get along well with each other. But they just are two different people from two two different points of view. Yeah, I'm happy with what they're doing with Paul Wesley's Kirk. And yeah. I, will, I will say that after this episode, Dave, after this episode, he has proven that he can play Kirk. His own version of Kirk, because he has all of the things that make Kirk Kirk without trying to be William Shatner. And that's all I wanted 
from a recast of Kirk was just someone who can capture the the essence of who that person is, that character is, not William Shatner, because that is the mistake that a lot of shows make. And I believe we talked about this several times before. When you recast certain iconic characters and whatever IP it may be, many times they want that actor or the actor at least believes he should try to capture the the mannerisms and the gestures of the actor playing the character, forgetting that you're playing a character not that actor. That's what Donald Glover did with Lando in Solo. That's why I'm one of very few people that didn't really like Donald Glover's portrayal of Lando Calrissian in the Solo movie because he wasn't playing Lando. He was playing Billy D. Williams. Yeah, he was playing a parody of Billy D. Williams. It became a parody because of that, absolutely. And that's not what I wanted for... Paul Wesley's Kirk, and I'm glad. And Chris Pine did the same thing. He didn't play a parody of of William Shatner. He he made it his own as well. But I would say already seeing Paul Wesley pop up in Star Trek more than Chris Pine's Kirk at this point. I think I even though I love Chris Pine as Kirk, I think I like Paul Wesley's version better. I do too because what they've done in this particular season is give Paul Wesley time in episodes here and there to show that number one, he's got the swagger. He's got the swagger of Kirk. You know, he's got that arrogance. He's got, he's getting that down And here, especially in the last two episodes, we've seen this particular Kirk prime Kirk. We're seeing that he has that, not just that swagger, but that leadership. He has that inkling because he'll listen to his crew. He'll listen to people. He listens to Anne. He doesn't interrupt her. He listens to what her problem is. And it, it goes into the fact that I'm with you. I'm really excited to, I want to see more of Paul Wesley's portrayal of Kirk now because he's organically building into it. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's plopped. Here's an episode and introduction of Kirk. No. They've done it's, a very slow burn. It's a subtle performance yeah. that's, it's, that's relying on every iteration that he's popping up in, every episode he's popping up in. And just like we said, he's not copying the mannerisms of Kirk. You know, he's not talking like William Shatner. He's, he but has, he has that, the bravado of Kirk. The bravado. And yes. that's what's important. And that's what's important. Yeah. People mistake the way that Kirk, that William Shatner portrays Kirk the way he speaks, the Shatnerisms as bravado. No, bravado is done in different ways. The reason why it works for William Shatner is because, well, that's how he always talks. Yeah. Now, <laughs> when I say I like Paul Wesley's Kirk better than Chris Pine, no one will ever outdo William Shatner's Kirk. I'm just kidding. Mean, no, no, no. He's the he's the, he's the original. But like when it comes to Chris Pine, though, I think Chris Pine's. Kirk reminds me of Kirk when he's much older. He's much older. And well, because he is. Yeah. But like throughout I the, throughout the, the inclination of him, I, th- I even felt like at the Star Trek beyond, he was trending on William Shatnerism. Trending or treading or treading. He was treading on Shatnerisms at because I don't know if it was because like, 
the association of Shatnerisms yeah. with Kirk. No, you're right. That's exactly what it is. But it's kind of like with Wesley, he's building organically into it. Yeah. So like, I feel that Wesley's not even touching anything of Shatner's. And also imagine if Paul Wesley can give us what he's been doing when he's not the number one focus in the episode, imagine when he's given the entire spotlight, well, what he at- can do with that character. And I am getting more and more excited because I'm not one of those fans, David, that give me this. Now I like to go. I actually am a fan who wants to slow build, slow yes. burn into these things. I'm not one to, to give us Scotty, give us check off. I, I want us to take our time. However, I can see in the foreseeable future, not far off, Dave, where we start really going into the original series era a lot sooner than I had anticipated. Yep. Even if we're not going to cross into the five-year mission and Kirk being the captain of the Enterprise, the fact that Kirk's already around, we can already start bringing in some of those aspects that we are familiar with Mm -hmm. because they already have them here. You have Uhura, you have Spock, you have Kirk now. And in a lot of ways, David, if they keep going down this route and let's say three or four years from now, we won't need the Kelvin timeline movies. Oh yeah. And I I, think that heart that breaks my heart a bit because I, I do have a soft spot for the Kelvin movies, at least Three of them. Wait, how many have there been? <laughs> At least two of them. There, there have been three, yeah. Uh, two of them. Into Darkness is is, is a is problem. Rough. Is yeah. rough. Uh, but, but the first and the third one were were great installments in their own way. Especially, But, but you're not going to see me begging for those movies anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to see me begging for that because if they're building out a, a, a universe in the actual prime universe then this is where we should stay. And if in four or five years, the, la- the, the landscape has changed and the Kelvin timeline movies have, have been removed from the consciousness of moviegoers so that, it, so that they don't have questions. Like, wasn't Pine playing Kirk? Wasn't Zachary Quinto playing Spock? And essentially, they build a new franchise, a new era yes. uh, in a theatrical sense with these new characters, then the audiences will be far far less resistant and more willing to accept this new version of Star Trek. And I believe the players that we have in place, Anson Mount, he's an A-list type of actor. Yeah. Paul Wesley can be an A-list type of actor. They can pull a franchise. Um, Ethan Peck, I'm not sure yet. I haven't really seen him do much more. He's a great actor, but there's a difference between a good actor and and a charismatic actor that can bring in a box office. You got to have the oomph. You got to have that screen presence and not all great actors have that screen presence. Otherwise they would all be leading big budget tentpole films. There's a reason why certain a listers are those go-to actors because they have that screen presence. They have the charisma that draws in audiences. I think Paul Wesley and Anson Mount both have that so if you were to make a movie with the two of them in it and maybe even a transitional movie from from pike handing off the The reins handing off the enterprise to kirk prior to his accident because it does happen prior to the accident correct yes so i mean it could work and i know we're completely getting off topic here but 
I will say that this episode got me a lot more excited for Kirk. For Kirk, yeah, because like that's the thing about particularly with this episode. In past episodes, we we get like little inclinations and hints of the future, right? But here we've gotten a handful of hints of the future, and it's very it's done so optimistically that for me personally, I I'm even willing to say if they were to actually start this transition of Captain Kirk coming to the Enterprise next uh, in year in a year or two, not just three, but a year or two, I think they could pull it off because of the way they've handled introducing these characters. I mean, the inter- the interesting thing that I realized when I was comparing like the rise of Kirk to this episode was the rise of Spock. You got to remember Spock got reintroduced to the world in another show in discovery in season two, right? Yeah. They did a slow burn on Spock until we got to the climax where we finally got to see Ethan Peck as, as Spock. And then now we've had one season, uh, one season of fully of Ethan Peck as Spock. And at this point he's very well established. He's well-established in that character. I agree with you. Your, I agree with your assessment that basically we're not sure how good of an actor he is because Ethan Peck hasn't done much outside of this to, you know, make waves. So could, uh, could Ethan Peck rise up into the, into echelon areas like Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner? Yeah. It's possible because he, he's young and we got time. I think these actors, it, this is a different time. You know, very different time than the 60s and 70s. And the, the lines between television and movies, it's just, it's blurred. And you don't really, they really don't have those stipulations. You know, TV actor, movie actor, it's all one. However, it would help for these, if Strange New Worlds were to become the, the flagship, theatrically speaking, and some way shape or form the other actors would assist and help that idea if they were to do other work outside of strange new worlds oh yeah and doing and actually going back to this particular episode i think because of what we saw with ethan peck and his ability to be in a musical it at least gave us an inclination of like he's really good at this character he's really good at going outside of his boundaries when it comes to normal acting because it is a difference between doing a being an actor and actually giving normal dialogue and then being an actor and doing a musical because you have to have some really good singing chops to actually pull off a musical and arguably I mean me and you have discussed it your your first pick for best song was his with the uh, with I'm the X. It's number two. It's number two. Number two. For me, it was number one. Oh, that's got, your number one. That was my number one. But I actually have a honorable mention. If, if since you know what, uh, let's you let's that. get into that because yes, we're kind of getting off track. So yes, the tell honorable, me your honorable mention. The one that I thought about that I said I loved was Time to Kirk. It was Uhura and Kirk <laughs> singing in the hallway with La- Anne watching them. That was not Uhura. That was Una. Or Una. Una. And that scene itself just set the tone for me because I loved the fact that we got to see Rebecca Romaine, a classic actress, pull this off and not only pull off the singing, pull off the dancing. Take some advice from your senior 
This worked for me because I got to, we got to see Rebecca Romaine take center stage as for the singing purposes. And she is, she's a fantastic talent. And also we got to actually see the ties to Kirk's quote unquote narrative, his background growth into the captain that we all know he's learning the relationship uh, or the relationship between a captain and a crew. And the beautiful thing is he's learning that not from Pike right now. He's learning it from Una. Because Una is number one. She's the she's she's Pike's number one. So in order to get to that captainship, essentially Kirk has to learn from Una first before even even contemplating learning from her. And I like that because it shows their thought that Kirk still has to learn. He's awesome. He's an awesome character, but he has to learn the rope still. Yeah, that's a good one too. My number one. I want to know what this one because I thought the X was going to be your number one. <laughs> well, it's the counterpart song. <laughs> of course. And David, a lot of these songs that I. This news really. The reason why this episode wor- or this song worked for me was because I love the vibe of it. Number one, I'm a big film noir guy. And this had that whole cabaret vibe, yeah. that speakeasy aesthetic that actually works with Jess Bush as an actor, especially her portrayal of Chapel, you know, that typical femme fatale blonde bombshell who's about to break hearts. And she did. That is why I love the song because not yeah. only was the song very telling and it moved her story along and it meant a whole lot when it comes to her relationship and Spock and, and, uh, and, and of course was going to lead to down the road, but just the fact that, you're not just writing a song that that will sound fun, but also you're making a song that appropriately conveys an idea about the character themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my number one. I thought it was very well produced. Let me play a little bit more of it. A distant dream becoming real. I convinced myself it wasn't happening. You know what's the best of part two? I felt so sorry for Spot because everyone in 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 the room witnessed was witnessing it and dancing and they were all happy except for Spock. Who's just standing there and basically like taking it. You know, I would have done this, dude. I'm mean, like, I would have been, I've been dancing too. And I'd be like, <laughs> I'm in the background just flipping her off. Ready? <laughs> yeah, that's great stuff. When she, when she does that, oh my God, dude, she is so, she's steaming. Um, I I saw some people saying it was a great song, but they felt bad song. for Spock and and felt like it was a bit of a. Of course, <laughs> they thought it was a bit of a character assassination of Chapel from the writers trying to make her look bad. But I didn't take it that way. I no. took it as the fact that she first off, this is not breaking character from the very first episode of the show. 
she has been portrayed as an independent person. Yes. Who is all about her career. Yeah. And she might have deviated a bit because she loves Spock or she cares for Spock. But when it comes down to it, she's not going to throw away everything she worked for. For him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially, again, it's only three months. So put a pin in it and just come back later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's that's the thing I really took a, took away from it. Because I did see people online saying it's a character yeah, you saw assassination. That? Yeah. But it's like, no, it's not a character assassination because we've known this character's motivation since day one. It is a little fucked up, I will say. Just, I mean, just, just to look at it from their perspective, when you think about it, Spock didn't need any of this. <laughs> Spock was engaged. Yes. And she pursued him. Whether she took action or not, she conveyed, she exuded, exuded feelings for him, feelings for him that he felt. He wasn't the one chasing her. Yeah. She was chasing him in a lot of ways. So when you look at it from that perspective, and then she does this after she gets him to pay attention to her. Then she says, see you later. See you later. <laughs> I guess it is a little fucked up, but listen, this is the show. This is the show. And it also fits her character because her career comes first. Yeah. So you better remember that uh, chapel when you say hi to Spock. <laughs> and then you guys pick him up in the midst of uh, meeting up with V'ger. V'ger. When he ignores you, don't get mad. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. And that probably explains why she didn't get truly mad. There's so much more story there, though. Come on. That's a lot of time. That's like 20 years of time. Oh, no, no, no. Spock is Spock is like the you think, elephant that does not forget. You think he's that petty? I, I think so, because he's Vulcan. He's Vulcan. Yeah. Okay, so Pike and his relationship with Captain Patel, that wasn't... The highlight for me, but it did move his story along. I know, David, you and I throughout this entire season have talked have been talking about Pike not having nearly as much development as the first season. And we know why, because of personal reasons in Anson Mount's real life mm -hmm. that uh, had prevented him from showing up for the first several episodes, episodes, which I, I want to say that's the first several weeks of shooting. Mm -hmm. So that being said. The little back and forth that he had with his, with his girl did just, it did just enough that we yeah. needed for, to flesh out him a bit more. I do like the private conversation one because it's my honorable mention mm -hmm. because it's more in line with a type of, Captain. I like, can we have I like these types of musicals. The ones where they just talk to each other. Yes. It's not really singing. It's very like melodramatic talking. Because anybody can do it. Like, I can do it. Like, I don't need to sing, and I can, I can. And singing. Marie, I'm going to call you back. I'm going to call you back. But the thing I love about it, too, is, like, it kind of sets the table for Pike's tragedy. Because we know that, basically, him and Patel are getting close. And. I think she's going to die. That's the thing. It's kind of like, I'm wondering if that's going to play into Pike's story of, like, he knows his destiny. They're pairing too many people up. Yes. And not all of them can survive. They not pretty much ended the Ann and Kirk one. Although you're going to have that little, I'm sure at some point in the series, they're going to find their way back to each other. When Harold Marks, 
does her classic. I don't want you being around around uh, uh, around dude. David. Uh, well, that could honestly, in the hands of this writing team, dude, that could be a really really sad episode. Yeah, so I can see Laanna and Kirk eventually finding each other in some way, uh, but the Pike and Patel thing is going to end in tragedy regardless because we know Pike's story so yes. either it's going to end in a in a sad breakup or, or maybe dies. That, that's what i think like, I, I don't think, i'm not a big fan of a bunch of death and depression necessarily well, in star trek dude did but, you get that did you get that feeling when she mentions in the very end that she's on a priority one mission yeah I, i'm wondering if that's going to tie into the season finale yeah. and it may end bad for her in some way we do need kirk not kirk uh pike pike needs to be at the forefront of the finale and it needs to be more or less about him. He's the captain of the Enterprise. And he has kind of been sidelined most of the season. I understand that's the nature of this show as well. It's not really a show that has a lead character. Yes. It's a true ensemble piece, even more so than any other Star Trek series we've ever had. And except just like maybe Deep Space Nine. But even Deep Space Nine had Cisco as that definitive thread yes. that connected everything. This series doesn't really have that connective thread. That's a character. No, not the, not this season. It's been one of the critical things that we've been talking about, especially the last couple of episodes that I mean, this you, season you can has kind of say it's Spock a bit, but, but not really, not really. I mean, you can even make the, you can make the argument that Uhura, depending on this, how this episode, how it ends you're saying that Uhura is the most important thing that keeps this group together. Is she the thread then? Yeah. No, I don't think that was their intention. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. That's, there's no established story thread or story arc that we could point to and say, okay, this is the one that they're going to call back on in the end. Yeah. David, give me your final thoughts. My and final your thoughts. Score. Obviously. I, I'm appalled that I'm going to say the next words, Mike, out oh, of my mouth. Do not do it, David. <laughs> I know that basically the last episode scored a 95. And that was a great episode. Great episode. The more I thought about this episode, I really liked it. And I increased it to a 97. So it okay. scores higher. Than, than, okay. than the last episode. That's a fair grade. I, I can't disagree with it. And I'm not going to give it a hundred because just as you said, there's not much on the bone on this episode, but there's enough where it just pushes the story forward. It's enough. nothing to interpret because of the nature of the episode. Yes. It's pretty much all exposition. It's all exposition. And that helped. That mm. actually helped. Yeah. <laughs> they because found a clever way to do such a thing. Mm -hmm. So, Okay, 97%. I'm 92%. It was a strong episode, more than strong. It was a very successful episode. It did a lot of great things for our characters. It fleshed out things that have been uh, in the works since the first season and brought them to a head. Also, the little bits with Kirk, I thought, was... It was a gift in a lot it of was. ways because they don't need to have Kirk here. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of the younger people that are watching the show, they don't know Kirk. So in a lot of ways, this is a gift to the diehard Star Trek fans. Here, here's your Kirk. And they're doing such a great job writing for him. And Paul Wesley is knocking out the park. Every time he appears as any version of Kirk, he kills it. Yeah. He does a great job. Absolutely. Okay. 
that ends this discussion. We'll be back next episode with our season finale discussion. Thank you, David. Thank you. Live long and prosper. I couldn't help but notice your pain. My pain. It runs deep. Share it with me. End simulation.